if you are a human and you have a brain and you grew up in this country and you're white, you have biases. Um, you also have them if you're black, but you're aware of them because you, that's your lived experience. If you're white, you need to become aware of them and then act to, to intervene and to not have them play out. And then once you figure that out for your personal self, then you have to start acting to change all of the systems, the systemic racism that exists in the world. We don't have all the answers and we asked tons of hard questions. Listen in as knowledge-seeking, faith-filled, and hope-driven voices from St. Elizabeth's Church in Sudbury, Massachusetts connect to make our collective community stronger. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Susan. Usually we're meeting on a Wednesday night. It's really exciting to be with you this morning and share with our St. Elizabeth's Parish and anyone else who listens the work that we're doing in our uh, Liberating Ourselves from Racism group at St. Elizabeth's. Hi, Janice. Hi, Chris. Yes, I'm looking forward to this because we often don't really have time to talk about this more in depth when we're busy doing the planning. So it's nice to have this time and space. Good morning. Here at St. E's, we started this Liberating Ourselves uh, from Racism group, and it began with a Lenten program. Liberators has gone on to continue these conversations and we meet the third Thursdays. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we meet the third Thursdays. And it's the kind of thing where it's like a river flowing. You can jump in at any point and anyone's uh, welcome. We've had friends of mine have come from different parishes and joined in over the years. And so you can come in as you're able. Chris, I love that you said you can jump in the stream at any point. And I think that speaks to, you know, my initial trepidation was, well, I don't know anything. I'll say something wrong. And to really say to people, just come. So we have a few questions that we'll ask this morning and talk about it to really get into important conversations about race and and why we do this work. Uh, Chris, When was it or what happened that made you wake up to your inherent biases or place and privilege within society? Even though I had a really sort of strong internal desire, yearning for justice early on, I think there was one incident when I had gotten a new job after grad school and had traveled by myself to a conference and you know, I checked into a hotel and got on an elevator. And as the elevator door closed, a young black man jumped into the elevator with me. And my knee-jerk reflex was to just, you know, and pull my stuff close to me. And the fellow um, looked at me and smiled and explained he was an engineer. I'm like, oh, I'm an engineer too. But it really was telling that deep within me, even though intellectually and even in my heart, um, I didn't have biases. I I did. They're almost programmed into me. Yeah. Yeah. That's somewhat similar to my experience. So I was born in Tennessee and I grew up in Kentucky and I was in school and we moved back to Tennessee when I was a junior in high school and uh, the schools were still... Um, segregated at that point, but it was at the 
they were beginning to make movement toward desegregating the schools, and there was a lot of really u- ugly talk. And I was very clear I did not want to be part of this, and I, I also, I think, from very early on, had this sense of social justice. But the incident for me that really uh, was telling was much later when I was, I remember vividly, I was in the Goodnow Library. I was looking through poetry books. I found a poetry book and I was reading a poem by Phyllis Wheatley and discovered that she was a black woman um, who lived in the 1700s. And I realized as much as I was in favor of um, civil rights, et cetera, I had no idea that there were educated blacks in that during that time. I had obviously just absorbed this image of the nanny, slave, et cetera. Um, and that's when I knew that I had not learned. There was a lot I hadn't learned and I actually it made me very angry. But I have to say that it's been it's been a long journey. It wasn't really, I think, until the death of Trayvon Martin that I began to dug, dig into this um, and learned more and more. And then once I started learning, I felt like you just keep seeing things all the time. Yeah. I'm so grateful to work with both of you and um, how you've um, welcomed me into your group. For me, it, it came um, much more recently. Um, in the last seven years, I would say seven years ago, I was that white person with privilege who didn't realize all of the privilege and all of the injustice. Um, And it was really tied to my work that I began learning. And I am an educator and I um, grew up uh, in a a white town in Massachusetts, mostly white, predominantly white suburb, um, didn't really reflect on my opportunities uh, and the privileges I had. But uh, about six years ago, the superintendent had been leading our group looking at disparities in learning outcomes, particularly black and brown children compared to white children. And he needed me to take over that group. And I said, hmm, I don't really feel ready for that, but there wasn't a choice. So I started doing what I often do when I need to learn something. I started reading books and then I started taking courses and talking with people and just learning. And as you said, Susan, the more you learn, um, the more you realize you don't know. And then you start to become more aware of all of the present day injustices. And as I learned through my work. Um, Of course, that also entails a really important uh, personal reflection process and learning process and looking deep inside. Um, And as you both said, you know, that inherent, that bias, it's the air that we breathe. Um, And I, I tell, I tell educators and anyone who will listen, it's not that you're uh, inherently racist, although you know that's that's another way to describe it. But if you are human and you have a brain and you grew up in this country and you're white, you have biases. Um, you also have them if you're black, but you're aware of them because you that's your lived experience. If you're white, you need to become aware of them and then act to intervene and to not have them play out. And then once you figure that out for your personal self, then you have to start acting to change all of the systems, the systemic racism that exists um, in the world. Um, I know we've talked about this before, 
probably many times that dismantling racism is just going to is a huge undertaking. Um, and part of that for the three of us has been coordinating the liberators group at St. Elizabeth's and most recently going through the sacred ground curriculum with those who are interested with us. But I'm also wondering what other work are you doing or have you undertaken to help you become part of um, the solution? My work, let's see, where have I branched out? I've become involved at the near its inception with the Maynard Anti-Racism Alliance and served on the steering committee in the beginning. You know, my bent often focuses on education of white folks and just bringing people up to speed and creating spaces where we can discover this whole other reality that is part of our identity that we are truly clueless about. There is no bottom to our cluelessness. And it, it's sort of grounded in the idea of walking in other shoes, rediscovering the history that we weren't taught in our country. Um, I'm getting more involved with uh, policing subgroup of Maynard Anti-Racism Alliance and getting involved with the recently passed police reform bill, talking offline to um, our Senator Jamie Eldridge, who is a major proponent of that bill, and learning some of the machinations and of that process and what got dropped and what's left to do. I would also say just my other work as a systems thinker enables me to synthesize this tremendous undertaking, this huge problem, and give allows me to pull out and sort of come to some peace with what are the key things that need to change to move us forward. Now, you're also doing something in the diocese, is that right? Oh, yes, that's true, too. I didn't want to talk too much. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm involved through my connections with Mission Institute and the Leadership Development Institute. I got asked to join the Racial Justice Committee for uh, the diocese, diocese of Massachusetts. And we're really trying to live the principles. And so while the work is urgent, we are taking the time to build relationships and be intentional. For me, as I said, you know, it's been part of my work now for the last six years and starting in 2017 um, as a district leadership team, we uh, decided to make learning about race and becoming actively anti-racist, the centerpiece of our required professional development for all educators and staff in the district. Most of our educators are white. Some of them had been on this journey to, to understand how race impacts everything that we do and can negatively impact children's ability to learn because it negatively impacts their experience. Um, and many 
didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, so rather than have it just be something people could choose to do, um, we made it something people had to do um, and began offering um, in-district courses uh, as well as shorter um, one or three hour workshops that all were required to attend. And from a, a neuroscience um, perspective, we've learned as educators that it's not a nice to have on the side, it's a requirement. Our brains are designed to keep us safe. Um, and so they are constantly scanning for threat. There's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system and it operates 24 seven. And if you sense any kind of threat, and in our society where we all have these in these biases, there's always threat if you are one of just a handful of black or brown people in a space that's dominated by white people. And those white people are probably not intentionally, but definitely saying or doing things that make you feel unsafe or make you feel like you don't belong. So your brain is busy paying attention to that and therefore can't be fully engaged in learning. And that's why we see the, the disparities in learning outcomes. We see what some people call an achievement gap. We call it an opportunity gap. And the opportunity, the, the way we fix that is not by doing anything to change the children. It's to change the adults working with the children. So that's our work, um, and it will continue to be our work, um, and also dismantling the systems within and structures and practices and policies in the district that serve as barriers to access and that to maintain the status quo of whites being privileged over others. So um, we'll just keep making steps forward to make a difference. Um, and um, for me, um, my faith uh, is a huge part of that. We all, in our baptismal covenant, uh, strive um, to respect the dignity of every human being. And, and that's how I live that out to the best of my ability every day. Susan, I know you've been involved in a lot of other um, uh, activities as well. Can you share well, some of that? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of what I've spent time doing is uh, learning and one of the one of the best ways I've had to do more learning is listening to a podcast called Pod Save the People and that at the podcast there are four um, African Americans on that podcast who uh, talk about the news and talk about issues and events from their perspective and that has been uh, a, a wonderful way to learn where my biases may lie and how events that maybe seem benign to me or don't seem so benign to people of color. It just has opened my eyes in, in amazing ways. And then there's another podcast scene on the radio where they saw did a series called Seeing White and then The Land That Never Has Been Yet, which kind of gives you a, a good sense of the history that we've lived through. But one of the, my frustrations ha has been trying to figure out how to take action. I am also a member of the Sudbury Community for Racial and Social Justice, but in both that role and in Liberators, uh, I feel like mainly what I do is facilitate and continue to learn, which is all of which is important, really important. But 
more recently, um, one of the liberators sent an email around about a, a program that was sponsored by the Congregational Church in Weston, and I went and listened to the to a speaker, and now have signed up to be a member of a group that is looking for ways to collaborate with inner city groups or parishes, et cetera, who are working on issues that are intersections of racism and, and the environment. And I'm hopeful that in that way, as part of that group, maybe I will feel like I'm taking more action. One of the uh, issues living in a place like Sudbury is they're just, it's, it's a pretty white community. And so one of the things I think is really important um, is getting to know people who are different from you or have different lived experiences. And that's hard to do in this community. So I'm hopeful that that might offer uh, an opportunity for more of that. And I think I have the an advantage of having grown up in the South. I mean, there's certainly some disadvantages, but at least in, in the South, as when I was growing up, there were people of color in our sphere, not in equal ways, but at least it wasn't unusual to have relationships. There were certainly dominant relationships, but uh, with people of color. And that seems really important to me. And it was important in, I'm sure, in the way I think about people of color. I had some very uh, tender relationships. Both my grandparents had African-American women who, who came daily to cook and clean. And also, when we were younger, they would also take care of us in some ways. And it was a very warm, loving relationship. Um, not an equal relationship, but still. I, I feel like it's harder for those of us who live in this community to get to know people who are different different from us or have different lived experiences, as I said. The action piece is the piece I keep struggling with. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. If, if I could circle around and on this question that does relate to action, I think that the work that's happening in our diocese is going to give us an opportunity in the future. Um, an opportunity as uh, a community, a church community, uh, to look at our history, to um, really listen to people's experiences who, you know, are black or indigenous or other person of color through an, an auditing process that it sounds a little clinical, the audit, but it's really like what's happening, what's really going on that most of us are missing in our awareness. And so we are going to, as a community, have an opportunity to get involved in that sort of important action. So stay tuned. <laughs> um, I look forward to that. Should we move on to our third question? Sure. Okay. Knowing what we know now, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of or feeling a little nudged to 
you know, dip our toe, dip their toe in the water and maybe begin? What I would start with is, first of all, that this is a journey. And um, for me anyway, it was really important to find a group to take this journey with or to do this work with, as opposed to trying to do it solo. And then the other thing is, I think, is just maybe more like a warning, um, that if you start to take this journey, you will begin to learn things about this country's past, our relationship with race, that is pretty eye-opening and likely not things that you learned in school, not the history little bit diff- different history than what we learned in school. I think I would add to that. I agree with that, Susan. And, and I would add to that, that race is such a charged topic in our country. And I think white people and general, and for me, this was true, you're afraid of saying something racist. Um, and therefore, most people say nothing. And just look the other way and try and just keep their head down and and keep going. Um, and I would say that it's never too late to learn. Just just start. Um, there are, like you said, those podcasts that you mentioned. Maybe you want to start by yourself because you are embarrassed that you don't know anything yet, or you are, like I said, afraid of saying the wrong thing. Uh, if you find a group like the Liberators that you can do that with. Um, for me, I started on my own and then um, joined the Liberators group and continued learning with my colleagues um, at work. There's no right way, one way to do the work, um, but the only way to, to do it is to start. Um, and yes, you probably will say something racist and Hopefully someone will call you out on it and help you learn from that mistake. And then the answer is, thank you for telling me that. And you learn from it and you move on and you change what, how you act or what you say, and you just keep learning. Um, I, I really do agree. It's a journey, just like your faith is a journey. Um, my faith now is different than it was when I was a child or a young adult or even, um, you know, in middle age, I just keep learning and keep growing and that um, just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other uh, and, and doing it in community helps you build that learning in a really powerful way. I'm just resonating with what both of you said. And I think I might add you know, in this COVID time, it's harder. But one of the super beneficial things I did was get in my car and go into Boston, find diverse groups who are talking about this issue. And I know most of us are well-read. I know most of us are fairly educated. But just listen you might feel moved to, you know, interject, try really hard to listen and really put yourself in other shoes. As energized as you may feel, understanding that people who who have lived a very different American experience 
than you are telling the truth. And that truth is the one that has been muffled. And so it's okay to be quiet and just listen. Um, but seek out, seek out other voices that are not white. Seek them out and give them the benefit of the doubt. They are telling the truth. 30 million people should not be ignored. Another thing. Oh, go ahead, Janice. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, this conversation and this chance to talk this morning just fills my cup. Uh, It makes me so grateful to be able to work with you as we continue, even in this conversation, to learn and grow together. So thank you. Yeah, I need to thank you for the blessing that you two have been in my life. Whenever you're one of the people who says things that are hard to hear, which apparently is my role, (laughs) (laughs) you get uh, ignored, thrust out, you lose friendships, and it can be a lonely place. So uh, finding you two, among others, has been a lifesaver, and I'm grateful. Yes, I I have to agree with both of you. Um, it's just been amazing working with the two of you. And I know there's just so much more work to be done, and there are things that... Uh, that are scary for me. Like one is I, I don't, my family is not a family that, you know, you would have trouble sitting down and talking to. There's not a huge amount of uh, disagreement, uh, but I do feel like we need to talk because I suspect we don't really, we're not really all in the same place about um, race and this country and the changes that, that need to happen. And I find that quite, quite, um, scary <laughs> just to, to to do that and having having the two of you to support me and all of these steps has just been so important um and I've learned so much from both of you uh, uh which I guess is why I say do this in a group but you're right I mean I certainly do parts of it by myself but to have a group to talk to um, is has been just really, really important, and you two have been to have been so major in in my journey. I wish I, I wish I had known when I was younger that it, I couldn't take for granted like one law or the civil rights movement or a president of color, et cetera, to fix the things that the the problems with racism, the systemic problems with racism, because we have ways of continuing to do something a little different, looks a little different. It's not slavery. It's not Jim Crow laws. It's war on drugs or an attack on the election. We seem in this country to find new ways to keep these uh, systems of racism in place. So that's, that's been eye-opening too, and you both have helped me see that as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. 
One of the gifts of St. Elizabeth is knowing folks like you. <laughs> Thanks be Amen. to God. <laughs> Amen. Oh.